I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Nation podcast, HawkeyeNation.com. Andrew Downs and Rob Howe with you once again on a Monday. Rob, what's up, man? Another Monday. Another and, Monday. Uh, <laughs> you know, what can you say about Mondays during this pandemic that hasn't already been said, Andrew? That's exactly right. It's, it's the one day a week that still feels like it used to, in, in, for me at least. Every other day is just kind of the same, except mon- Mondays still feel like Mondays somehow. Uh, how, how are you and the family doing? Everybody okay over there in Eastern Iowa still? <laughs> Yeah, we're doing well, thanks. Yeah, it just I, it, it does seem like, I, and I think we talked about this last week. Now that we're kind of in a routine more with this thing, that time is going a little bit quicker, it and uh, at least that's how I feel about it. And the kids are kind of in the routine for school and things like that. And I still can't do third grade math. Um, <laughs> so yeah, how about you guys? How are you guys holding up? Yeah, kind of the same. You know, it's uh, you know not not quite third grade math, but even like preschool, <laughs> you know, like level learning things. You just the the way kids think and learn is is so detailed and over the last 30 years everything for me has just become so generalized that you know when I'm trying to teach my son something or even talk to him about something he's he's so in the details and uh it's that that's been interesting um I wish we had some nicer weather. You know, last Tuesday, I think it was, we had that great day. And even Wednesday was pretty nice. Got outside a lot. And really just like getting outside and, uh, you know, grilling and riding the bike and, and all that kind of stuff. It just felt so, uh, it felt so much better. And now we're back into, you know, it's it's nice here today, but it's it's cold. Uh, and it's it's going to be chilly all week long. So just not quite the same. I'm, I'm really, I'm really hoping for a, some spring weather to kind of uh, ease this all. Yeah, you know what's going to happen, though. It's going to go from this to, like, 95 and humid with tornado exactly. warnings. That's, <laughs> you know, exactly. that's how, how we roll around here. It I, is. I'm just happy when there's sun, man. I, I notice just my mood and yes. kind of my mental state. If the sun's out, uh, it's usually a, a, a huge plus for my uh, my mental well-being. Are you, are you doing much, like, uh, like socializing on, on these, like, Zoom or FaceTime or Skype or any, anything like this? I, that's, it's been a big thing. Not really. I do, you know, I've been doing podcasts with you and then podcasts. Uh, I, I did a uh, Hawkeye History podcast with Drew Tate that we'll probably put up tomorrow. Awesome. Uh, that should be real entertaining for people. Some great stories from Drew. Um, and then I do the Prospect podcast and then I talk to my parents and my in-laws and 
pretty much that kind of circle right now. Yeah. And I, you know, and I touch base with some friends here and there, but I don't really have a, uh, I don't really know if I have a Zoom network of friends. My <laughs> wife's done a little bit with her friends here and there, but, uh, but is that something you guys kind of use to uh, help get through this? It's definitely something we've been doing. Although what what we found is um, it, it's almost too much. We we almost socialize more than we ever we ever <laughs> normally would, and so it gets to the point where oh yeah, we have that Zoom call with your family tonight. And, oh yeah, we have that Zoom call with you know this group of friends tonight. And it just it, it honestly it, like like last night we had nothing, and it was like oh okay, whew, this is it's actually kind of nice to just sit down and turn on the TV and turn your brain off for a little while. It, it's it's yeah, an I listen interesting to my wife world. on those sometimes, and it's just people kind of talking over top of each other. <laughs> exactly, and people don't know when to talk. Exactly, I was like, I was thinking of I, like like the the people in a Zoom call because yeah, you have like the person who dominates the conversation, you have the person who you know gets a little too drunk and you know says things they shouldn't say. It's it's yeah, I've just, got a uh, to to pimp the site. I've got a I have actually have a uh, a former Hawkeye got married virtually. Oh. Uh, this month and uh they did a, a wedding and reception through zoom i'm, I'm not going to say who it is so, so when people listen to this but i will we're, we're recording this on monday what the heck is the date today april the 13th and i will post that this evening on april the 13th so a little little teaser there oh, for people. awesome it was an interest, interesting story on how you get married virtually and it, and it has a hawkeye tie-in so very very cool well we have a uh, honestly no shortage of of kind of sports things to talk about and we'll start with uh, gary barda who met with the media this past week you know it was a couple of weeks ago now that jamie pollard over here and in central Iowa made some news by slashing some salaries and announcing kind of these across the board cuts and uh, and we're you know expecting a lot of athletic departments to to start to make those moves and, and make those announcements as you know the the NCAA won't be giving them nearly as much money uh, how much money I think Pollard said that they lost about five million dollars with the big 12 tournament and the NCAA tournament both being canceled and then obviously looking ahead to uh, will people be able to keep their donation levels will people be willing to uh, buy season tickets economically or socially um and so, so it's something that athletic departments are dealing with right now, and uh, I think it's easy to just kind of say, well, these are giant corporations that make millions and millions of dollars, and uh, they'll be okay. But, you know, just like anywhere, they, they have budgets, and they have expectations, and they've set things in place that uh, were supposed to be uh, met with kind of some of the money coming in now that, that may not be coming in. And so Gary Barta met with the media this week, um, essentially said that, that Iowa is in a pretty good spot. You know, enough reserve funds to keep everybody in the, in the department employed through June. Um, there will likely be a reduction of salaries at some point. Uh, hopefully not a reduction of scholarship money. Uh, hopefully not a reduction of jobs within the department, but that that's still to be seen. But uh, overall, I guess, what, what did you take away from Gary Barta's uh, maybe state of the department uh, address that he gave last week? Yeah, and we speaking of Zoom, we did that via Zoom, and it was interesting to see uh, various report, uh, Hawkeye Iowa reporters in their uh, in the, in their home yeah home uh, environments. No barber uh, for a few weeks, and yeah, just, I kind of kept mine as dark as I could. I, and I had to retreat to my uh, to our bedroom, which is where I am now, to kind of keep the the noise out, but. Um, yeah, you touched on a couple things there, Andrew. Um, you know that that they do have the ability. He thinks, at least to this point, and, and the plan is, and, and things can change. We're still only midway through April, but to be able to use the reserve funds to 
you know, make sure that everybody gets paid through the end of the fiscal year, which is June. Um, so that's that's encouraging for people. But there's also probably and and and. and like so many of us, you just you're trying to come up with models and projections for, you know, whatever your budget is, whether it's at your house or any type of business. And the Iowa Athletic Department is obviously in that same position where, you know, uh, Gary talked a lot about modeling things of, you know, if this happens, then what happens? Uh, and finances are, are obviously uh, the, the main part of that. And he said, you know, salaries are a huge chunk of their budget. And, you know, as you mentioned, I think anybody that works in that department or works anywhere has to be ready for that. And and I think they called it shared sacrifice. Mm. That was kind of the athletic departments love to come up with these little <laughs> catchphrases that uh, people can follow, whether it's, you know, get mad again. Wasn't that the one they had yes. when Fran came in? Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah, that get wasn't, mad wasn't again. a good one at all. No. Uh, but shared sacrifice. And, and I think they all know that there's going to be some type of salary. Well, there is, there has been a hiring freeze at Iowa. Um, they've, they, they have a, Gary talked about a few projects that were, they were already pre, pretty far into the Finkbine renovations, the golf course for the university of Iowa. Uh, and then the wrestling, um, facility that we've talked about on the podcast before they're still going forward on those, uh, money's still there for that, but all the other projects, that they were talking about or, or planning to maybe look into have all been put on hold. So there's no more, they're not, they're, they've kind of drawn back from putting any more money out there. And now they're going to get to the point where they're going to have to, to cut back. And that, I think that's pretty much standard operating procedure now going forward for everybody. And we've talked about it on the podcast, who knows uh, where college football is going to end up. And he, Obviously touched on that quite a bit and not a lot of answers there, but I kind of felt coming out of that meeting with with Gary Andrew, I felt better that there was going to be some form of college football this season. I don't know what it's going to be. And again, he talked about modeling, but they meet daily as Big Ten athletes athletic directors with Commissioner Warren of the Big Ten. They meet every day trying to figure this out. It's not a mystery, Andrew. College football is the front porch. I mean, that's what pays the bills. They they need college f- football. Yeah, there, there's there's no question about it. There's just, I mean, they have to come up with some way to have college. And it was interesting. I forget who asked the question, but they were like, you know, there's been talk that you know you may have to play games in December and January if the if the season gets pushed back far enough. And I know, and you know, the thought process for some folks is, man, it's just too cold here for that. <laughs> Gary was like, "Hey, we play football in cold weather." He pretty much put out there that if it has to be played in December and January, it's going to be played. Yeah, they they will find a way to do this. You know, we we talked a little bit about it on the radio over here last week. Uh, there was a, I think a. Uh, there was some sort of national poll about would you feel safe, you know, short of a vaccine, would you feel safe returning to some of these large sporting venues? Mm-hmm. And, and a good portion of people said no. Um, 
But then there, there was also the ability to say, well, with social distancing, I would. And we had some people right away say, well, that, that's not possible. But anything is possible at this point. As you just said, it's the front porch. It's, it's the big deal. Uh, Jamie Pollard at Iowa State said over here, without football, we're looking at an ice age here. And so uh, you're exactly right. They're going to do whatever they have to do to get this season in somehow. And if that means only letting in you know, a sixth of the number of people in the Kinnick Stadium to, to see these games, well, that many fans is better than no fans. And no fans is better than no football. And so the, they will find a way to do this, you would think, if at all possible. I did I did think Gary Barta handled himself very well, and I liked that he left a lot of that stuff up in the air because that's that's just the reality of the situation. He didn't speculate on a lot of that stuff, and he didn't give a lot of like hard dates or solid yeses and nos because – just like we're all dealing with, as you said, in our in our personal financial lives, in our work environments, in our social lives, this is all so up in the air. It's also new to us, and there's so much unknown. I mean, this could all end in a few weeks, and, and we're back to normal by the fall, or it could still be going by at that point. And so I thought Gary Barter did a nice job of kind of not, not cornering, backing himself into a corner that he would then look like a fool trying to get out of, you know, three weeks from now, three months from now. <laughs> Yeah, I would agree. And I did kind of put out a hypothetical uh, timeline with him just to kind of get a feel for where he was at because we met with Kirk Ferentz the previous week and we talked about this last week on the podcast that Kirk felt like, you know, you're looking at probably eight weeks, 30, you know, four weeks to get back with Chris Doyle and the strength and conditioning calf, staff, excuse me, to get back into conti- condition to be able to practice football safely and then probably four weeks to practice football before you could play which kind of puts that timeline you know the beginning of july if you're looking to start the football season on time and i presented that to gary and he 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 fell in line with that but he also kind of left open the door that they may have to um and and he 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 worded it in a way and couched it in a way that you know Chris Doyle and Kirk Ferentz are both very experienced at this and they can alter their plans or you know alter their model to be able to work this out. So I'm I'm just really interested hopefully that everybody's on the same page they don't try to rush things whenever they get back and whatever that timetable is and I think they're all on the same page. Gary mentioned this multiple multiple times. Kirk mentioned it multiple times. The the the, the ultimate decide factor here is safety and the health of the student athletes and and you know if there are fans but more importantly the student athletes what is best for them and as long as they follow that I think they're going to be okay I agree you know one thing we didn't talk about last week uh, but it had come down and some news has been made since then uh, there, there will be no extra year of eligibility for winter sport th- sport athletes which right. I, th- I think we expected and, and I think is reasonable I, th- I think that's that's understandable there will be an extra year of eligibility for spring athletes and and how does that impact i well gary barta says he, he estimated that you know 25 to 35 of the, their spring senior athletes are expressing interest in, in coming back and so uh i think gary barta put a number of about half a million dollars on that for for aid for those students so that that's another cost of the department i thought it was really interesting that uh barry alvarez in wisconsin announced last week they're, they're same not. Day. They're not letting. It was, it was, the, it was that same day. It was the same day. They're not letting their students come no. back. They're they're not letting their seniors. And uh, yeah, I 
maybe it's because of how I personally feel about Wisconsin, which is uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that that entire state, to be Barry, honest. Barry's but not an easy guy to like. Man, that, that's that's a bad look, in my opinion. I, I'm surprised yeah. by that. Yeah, I would agree with you. And, and just to – I liked how, how Gary Barr to handle this as well, and he went through this with us. And we have a story on the site, too, that if people are interested in – I hit kind of on the, 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 um, the main topics that Gary hit on, and one of them was the – this, Andrew, so I'm glad you brought this up, was basically what he he met with his spring coaches and said, hey, listen, here's what we're dealing with financially. So we can't give you any more money out of the budget for the if, if the seniors want to come back. But so you guys are going to have to figure out how the puzzle works. And for those that don't the listeners that don't know. Spring athletes are not on full scholarships. Baseball, I don't, I forget what. Do you know what it is, Andrew? How many they have? Is it fifteen or something it's, like it's that? It's right around there. Split up? Yeah, yeah. They so do they it basically in... split up the scholarships. So you know, depending on who you are and and you know what it takes to get you into school from a recruiting standpoint, obviously the better baseball players, at least coming out of high school, are going to get a little bit more money in the scholarships. But nobody's on full. Right. And they all have to kind of split it up. So that's going to be a factor for a lot of people anyway, because they are used to having to pay for school. Do they have to pay for more school, these student athletes? And what Gary said is basically for the coaches, they can they can raise funds. They can figure out ways to split this up. The rosters would expand. So you're going to have the true freshmen coming in along with the seniors coming back. So you have more people for the same amount of money they have to figure out math wise how that's going to work i can't help them i can't do third grade math (laughs) so they're going to have to figure these things out and and you mentioned the 25 to 35 number i think that's about half of the seniors that were uh on sports this spring at iowa so roughly 50 percent of the 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 uh student athletes have expressed interest in coming back but it's all going to be part of that puzzle where you know say rick heller goes to one of the senior baseball players and says listen i've got a freshman coming in to get him into school i have to give him x amount of dollars i can only give you this much you still want to come back those are some of the discussions that are being had right now but as you said andrew at least they're you know at least the athletic department is giving those sports that chance whereas at Wisconsin, there is no opportunity, and they don't have baseball, but they, there's no opportunity for that. They basically said, we're not even going to try. And that, that to me, left a sour taste in my mind because those, you're just basically telling those student athletes, we don't care about you know, giving you an opportunity. If we, even if it's tough to figure it out, you're out of here. Yeah, exactly. So any prospective athletes, you know, considering Iowa or Wisconsin, <laughs> exactly. there you go. That's all you need to know. Big news, obviously, Rob, and, and you know, we'll talk more about that. Obviously, as as it continues going, I'm sure Gary Barter will speak again at some point. Uh, this is a moving target, and we'll we'll continue to try to hit it. Uh, the the ramifications of this whole thing, obviously, is part of a larger society, but even within sports and then within athletic departments, uh, we really don't know, I guess, where all the dominoes are going to fall, and so. It's going to be interesting to follow uh, as this continues. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to the deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Moving on here to, to basketball, and obviously the biggest news coming out of Iowa City last week was that Luca Garza did declare his intentions to enter the NBA draft. I guess I don't know if that's if, if I word that correctly, because he also made it very clear, Rob, that he is keeping his eligibility, he's not hiring an agent, and unless he finds kind of the perfect opportunity in the NBA, he's very excited about the prospect of coming back to, to the Hawkeyes as a senior. Yeah, I think we've all kind of settled on testing the NBA waters. That's the uh, that seems to be the terminology that works. Like you're, it. you're you're gauging what type of interest there is from the NBA and and gathering that feedback for free. Basically, they and I think it's they have till early June before they have to decide whether they want to come back to school. And you talked about moving targets and moving dates, Andrew. Now there seems to be right around the time where we were talking to Luca, we had a teleconference with him after he announced his decision. There was a there were several stories that came out that now the NBA was looking to push the late June draft back to at least early August, if not later than that. So what does that mean for all of this? Who knows? But at least he's in there now. And he can talk to NBA teams, doesn't have an agent, so he's, he has that ability to come back to school. But he can he can gather whatever feedback it is. If they're doing virtual meetings with NBA teams, which obviously they have to do uh, until they – are, there, are there going to be – you know, are we going to reach a point where he can actually work out for teams? Uh, you know, do they do, a, do, do, do they do a workout via video? There's so many ways it's crazy that you can think of how he can be evaluated. But most of the evaluation – obviously is going to come from what he did this season and what teams saw from him and what they like and what they have questions about. So he'll get to go through that process and uh, uh, then make a decision after whatever that process ends up being. And we don't know. It could change week to week, day to day. We'll just kind of have to see what that process entails. If you didn't catch that that teleconference, it is up on our podcast feed. Rob posted that yes. uh, last week, and, and I did go back and listen to that. And, and yeah, he, he made it clear that, uh, first of all, that the Fran McCaffrey kind of told him, hey, you, you need to go do this. Go test the waters. You, you need to see for yourself. Um, and, and Luca mentioned that a few different times. He said, you know, I, I know kind of the, the pros and cons of my game. I kind of know what these teams are are likely going to tell me, but I want to hear it for myself, and I want to be able to speak for myself and and do do all of that. Um, you know, if it, Luca Garza, it's going to be interesting because on one hand, I think. Um, I'm not sure he's NBA ready, although I would never bet against him, his work ethic. I think if you do draft him, you're you're not going to find a better teammate. You're not going to find a harder worker. Um, and if a team has the type of scheme uh, and, and you know the idea in the future that, that he's somebody that could fit in with them, you know why not grab him right now while you can? I, I'm not sure. I guess the thing for me as a Hawkeye fan, Rob, that, that's giving me pause because obviously I want Luka Garza back for next season. But I also want what's best for him. And, and the thing that's giving me pause is, can he raise his stock at all? Uh, is I, I think he, he and, and we're seeing, you know, Frank Garza is putting videos just about every day of Luka shooting, you know, NBA <laughs> or, or beyond, you know, distance three-pointers and then hitting, you know, multiple in a row. And, and they're, they're certainly showing off that part of his game. Uh, and I think that's strategic and I think it's smart. Um but you just wonder, even if he has as good of a season next season as he did last year, uh, which I think is is certainly possible, 
there's just not a, a lot that he can raise his ceiling. And if, if that's what NBA teams tell him, if they tell him, yeah, we, we think you're good and we like you, uh, and you might as well come now because even if you do this again next year, you're not going to go any higher. You're not a first-round pick next year no matter what you do. Then maybe the, the decision is, well, even though it's not exactly what I wanted, uh, maybe, maybe it is time to make that move. So it, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how this all plays out. Yeah, and, and I know you, you listened to the, the podcast that I posted about that teleconference. I apologize for the audio. I didn't, that was not a good setup, but it, I it think was, if you guys put headphones on, you can – yeah, you can hear what he's and saying. And it wasn't just you. I mean, I, I heard it on Channel 13, and it was kind of yeah. that same bad audio. This is just kind of the, the world yeah. we live in when nobody can be in the same room. Not the best setup, but um, yeah, and I kind of put him on the spot. I said, you know, does it have to be first round, you know, guaranteed money for you to go? And he, he didn't go that far. He said, you know, I just need to know that a team really wants me and will invest in me and I have a secure roster spot. But that's kind of a catch-22 because if you're not in that first round, it's very hard to have that. I mean, it's a business, Andrew. Yes. We all know they could tell him whatever they want to tell him and say, hey. I mean, because let's face it, those NBA teams want to be the best that they can be and have as many resources and avenues to do that. So they don't feel bad about telling Luca Garza, hey, yeah, we'll take you in the second round, bring you in, and then boom, he's in the G League. And he said he does not want to be in the G League. He made a point of saying he does not want to be in the G League. But the NBA draft and the NBA is so the 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 trend and and and, and it's always been that trend, but it seems even more so now they take guys who they feel like have, and this this kind of lends itself to your point, Andrew, that have more ceiling, that have more uh, ability to grow once they get into the league. And they have to determine how much better or how much better they feel Luka can get when the, he gets into the league. Where is his ceiling to compared to like a Vernon Carey for Duke who's coming out as a true freshman? Luca was a much better player at, in college this year, way better player. And, and Vernon Carey was a good player, but Luca was by far the better player this year. But the NBA looks at Carey and is like, okay, but where can he get to? And that's why he's a lottery pick, whereas Luca is already too where or close to where teams probably feel he can go. And Luca talked about if he comes back to Iowa, he's got to work on lateral quickness and defending pick and roll and these little parts of his game. But ultimately, ultimately for the NBA teams, it's this guy lacks athleticism. That is such a big part of our league. How can he make up for that? And can he get better athletically? How much? better athletically can he get their their nba teams and we've seen it through history they're going to lean an error on the side of taking the better athlete i think that's going to burn some teams when they pass on luca because i think luca's skill set and his, his, his the skills that he has they're going to make him better than guys that are better athletes than him. There's no doubt in my mind he'll be better in the league than some guys that are better athletes than him. It's just it's going to happen. But getting teams to actually jump in the water and do that are 
going to be interesting. And then Luca's got to decide, Andrew, if I'm not, like you said, if, you, if that scenario is, hey, they tell him, hey, you're not a first round pick this year, but you're not a first round pick next year. Does Lucas say, heck, if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to have to take my shot on this, you know, with the same parameters in the NBA, why not come back and have a really good senior season and enjoy the heck out of what could be a really good college basketball season? And he talked about that on the podcast. That's a big draw for him, how good Iowa could be next year. And I think that's, as an Iowa fan, that's maybe the, the biggest bright spot for me. And the thing that gives me the most hope is that, that Luca seems like the type of guy who understands things like legacy, understands things like uh, like you know leaving your mark on a program like Iowa, and, and sees the opportunity he has in front of him to put together a couple of seasons like we haven't seen in a long, long time. And with a team coming in that's you know likely going to be ranked in the top 10 and, and a favorite, if not maybe the favorite in the Big Ten, uh, coming into next season to be able to do those things if, if you can do some of those things win a Big Ten championship at Iowa take Iowa to an Elite Eight or beyond uh, win National Player of the Year be a two-time Big Ten Player of the Year a two-time Consensus All-American you start to put put your name on things where your, raft, your, your jersey is going to get hung up in those rafters at some point and yeah you lose a year of, of money making ability and and all of that but if if the process is going to be, and I think it will be for him, if the process is going to be play your way into the league, uh, why not do that a year from now and, and kind of put all these things in your bucket in, in college before you go off and do that? And I think he's got the right mindset of that. The way he answered your question on that teleconference tells you that. Um, he do, You're right. He doesn't want to go to the G League this year. He'll go to the G League next year, or he'll go overseas somewhere next year. He'll try to play his way into the NBA when that's his only option. But if he has these other options, he, he's in a really good spot right now because th- there are no bad options. One option is go to the NBA and, and try your hand there. If you don't make it there, you go to the G League and work your way up, or you go overseas and make a bunch of money. The other option is you know, be a part of one of the most anticipated Iowa basketball seasons that any of us can remember. And so... I think for Iowa fans, the the good thing is he seems to be a guy who understands that and and embraces it and appreciates it. Um, and, and so I I guess I as we sit here today expect Luca Garza to to ultimately come back. But there is the thing that all it takes is one team, and if one yep. team comes to him and says, Luca, you are in our plans. You're the exact type of player we need. This is why. Then if if that happens, you can't fault him for going. Not at all. And I agree with you, all the things you listed, he values all of those things. He values, you know, the chance to become Iowa's all-time leading scorer and, you know, getting the team to, you know, potentially its first Final Four in forever. And, you know, just the Sweet 16 and just doing things. And he said that on the teleconference. He talked about... He values his relationship so much with Fran McCaffrey, a guy who believed in him early on when Luke was overweight and really helped shape Luca and, and literally and figuratively mold him into the guy that he is now. And, you know, his dad's been a great influence and, and the other people that train him have been a great influence. But he just came right out and said on the teleconference that chance to do something special have a special season with coach McCaffrey is a big draw to get back. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Andrew, he really values that he values his relationship with his teammates. And 
And this is not a knock on somebody like Tyler Cook who decided that it was his time to come out rather than come back and maybe experience what, you know, what they did at Iowa this season. Uh, But he was ready to go and take his shot, even if it meant going through the G League. I don't know if Luca has that same mindset. I think, and, and they're not in the same exact position. Um, quite, uh, quite opposite exact. Uh, you know, if you look at it, yeah. Tyler Cook's that raw athlete that you're trying to make into a basketball player, whereas Luca's the the really skilled basketball player that lacks the athleticism. So they're really opposites, but I think they're also opposites in how they view things. It's not, and that's not to say that Tyler Cook did not value Iowa and his relationships. He was just ready to be a pro. I'm not sure Luca's in that same boat where he feels like I, I need to test myself against the best. I think he looks at it like you said, Andrew. If, if my status is the same now as it will be next year, why not, why not have have a life experience that you know I can value and cherish forever from the University of Iowa. Yeah, it's almost the opposite of what we expect most guys his age to, to make that decision anymore. And I think we've come to expect guys to say, well, if, if it's all the same next year, I might as well just go now and make some money and, and get this thing started. I think Luca is the opposite of that. I, th- I think exactly as you said, he cherishes some of those things and, and understands cool. what, what that would be. What's cool, Andrew, not to, not to interrupt, but he talked about on a teleconference too he's got peter jock he's got tyler cook yep he's got joe wieskamp three teammates of his that have gone through this process that can help him too along with fran mccaffrey he's got a lot of advisors that that can help him with this you, you talk about joe wieskamp a year ago he tested the nba waters uh i guess i would expect him to do it again although you know what in, in a tweet conversation that you and i had with somebody and yeah. I, I wish i remembered exactly who it was i'd give them credit uh they brought up the fact that uh there there's a rule that you can only withdraw your name from this process two times so the third time you're, you're kind of locked into that and so obviously you can't do that every year of your college career if that rule holds up i don't understand why that rule exists i guess uh, somebody smarter than me is going to have to tell me why because it seems ridiculous to punish a kid who's good enough as a freshman to test these waters, but then still wants to come back for a four-year college career. Um, with all that being said, do you expect Joe Wieskamp to test these waters again, and is he the only other Hawkeye that, that's going to go through this process? I believe that he will be uh, if he does choose to do that. The plan all along was for him to do it, Andrew, but that was with the setup that he could work for and work out for NBA teams in person, meet with teams again and get that type of feedback. Um, so now, I, you know, although I still think he wants to do this because I think it serves him better to do it at this stage in his career, he'll know where he is at the end of his junior year yeah. without having to go to the process. He'll know that he should either be in the draft or not in the draft by the end of next year. I don't think after going through it, you know, last year – and then potentially this year, that third year was going to make that big of a difference for him. So I think it's going to be determined. And, and Fran talked about this in Rick Brown's story that ran on our site. He thinks it's valuable for Joe to go through that this now to get feedback after this year. Where, where Let's face it. He had some struggles. I think it would be valuable for him to talk to NBA scouts to say, hey, listen, 
what did you see that was holding me back? What, what can I improve on? So I think there's a lot of value in him going through that process now. That rule does suck. It's ridiculous, as you said, that it can only they can only go through this twice. But I still think the value is more for him to do it now. Now, it's just going to be a matter of, and it's really hard to know. I don't know. I think the deadline is this week to determine, is it the 16th? I think that's right, yes. So he's got to make a decision without knowing what this process is going to be like. So it really complicates it, Andrew, because... You know, maybe next month he can go out and start working out for teams, but maybe he can't. And having to make, I would hope that they would push this thing back a little bit where these guys can have some more time to wait. If they're going to push the draft back anyway, yeah. push this decision timeline back so they know what they're getting themselves into. That only seems fair to me. I agree because you're exactly right. If 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 Wieskamp is just going to be go- going off of game tape from especially that what last third of the season uh, right. it's, it's not going to look nearly as good as it would have before that or even after his freshman season or, or like what Luca Garza put on tape this season uh, it's it's really going to be an interesting thing for him um, you mentioned the Rick Brown piece on Fran McCaffrey which is on HawkeyeNation.com right now and I, I urge everybody to go read that if you haven't yet it, it really for me confirmed a lot of what we thought about this team that the team was together they, they had this great chemistry uh, that nobody was me first not even Luca Garza, you know, he was cheering on the other guys just as much as they were cheering him on. It wasn't like his team uh, because he was this great player. It, it really felt like everybody, and they really felt ready to go into the postseason and, and make some noise. You know, they had that tough loss and really kind of a tough stretch of games at the end of the regular season, but they felt like they had come together, had sustained some injuries, and had, had kind of gotten healthy. And, and we're ready to go into a Big Ten tournament and then an NCAA tournament uh, where they thought they could beat anybody that, that came out and on the court in front of them. And so, um, on one hand, it was great to see all that and kind of confirm all these nice things about this team that I, that I hoped were true. On the other hand, man, it, just, it was another one of those, ah, what could have been. Yeah, without question, and and to piggyback off that, Luca talked about it in his teleconference, too, as – how, how good the team felt about their seat, their draw in the Big Ten tournament, how they felt like if things really set up for them to make a run in that tournament, which in turn would have given them a higher seed in the NCAA tournament. And then, again, hypothetically, who knows what would have happened. But the, it, I didn't get the feeling, and I didn't feel like this when I was down in Indiana, Annapolis getting ready to go to the arena I felt like even though Iowa lost three of its last four games I didn't feel like things were I felt like they were okay I felt like when they got to the postseason they would be okay and maybe even better when the games would would hopefully be called different by officials where Luca wouldn't get mauled and you know just just manhandled things would open up a little bit more for Iowa where maybe the clutching and grabbing on Wieskamp would lighten up a little bit and maybe Iowa could be more fluid and do more things from an offensive standpoint which is the bread and butter so yeah on, on one hand you look back at it and you're like man that really was a missed opportunity and just is really for a te- for a program that really needed it, it it almost hit you in the gut a little bit harder than maybe some other teams that that you know year in and year out put themselves in position to to make a run this team really looked like it was poised to make a run for the first time in a long time and that's kind of sad and then i guess to make yourself feel better better you look at the second half of that story that rick wrote and and with fran looking ahead to next year and the possibilities of what could 
could be provided things come together here, you know, from from in, in terms of this virus and 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 we get back on schedule and, and as we've you know, spent time talking about on the podcast, Luca ends up coming back. That's obviously the biggest component of this whole thing. Please let us have a full basketball <laughs> season. Please just let us have that. Rob, we're going to do this each and every Monday uh, as much as we can, and and next week we will get a little more into football and uh, and the NFL draft, which is still scheduled for a week from Thursday for the that first round. Which again, we expect Tristan Wirfs and probably AJ Epinesa to be going in that first round, but then several other Hawkeyes, obviously Nate Stanley, Geno Stone, Michael Ojemudi, are all guys who are projected to be drafted at some point. So uh, a week from now, we will dive a little deeper into the the NFL draft. But you do have some, they are, and they're doing a virtual draft that, yes and uh Wirfs and Epinesa they announced that last week I think that they're doing a virtual draft and both of those guys will be participating which will be kind of fun to see you know you'll, you'll have a little yeah. bit of that Brett Favre laying on his bed and jean shorts vibe to it <laughs> yeah. but it, it does kind of suck that we, we won't get to see Tristan Wirfs you know lumber across the stage and shake Roger Goodell's hand and you know hold up a well, hat and a jersey take him across some like water thing on your boat I forgot about that that's exactly right they had like a boat like a ferry they were going to take them to the stage <laughs> Oh man, maybe maybe they'll do that a year from now. And it seems like I was putting a couple of guys in the first round every year, so maybe we'll get that opportunity uh, next April. But yeah. uh, you have some cool stuff up on the site um, uh, as far as football goes. You, you've got some several prospect pods, uh, which are, are really good, and then a piece on linebackers that you did recently uh, that, that I also really, really enjoyed. You're kind of going position by position, which is fun. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. I, I uh, put the linebacker piece up this morning on the uh – it's the next in the, our series of position previews, and and if you go in there, the, there are links on the top of that piece to all the previous position previews that we wrote up. Uh, we went through all the offense, quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, offensive line, uh, and then we did I, I did defensive line last week, and then linebackers today. Uh, so you can find links to all of those within that story, and I just I find linebacker to be an intriguing piece of Iowa's puzzle just because it's the it's the position I think in most transition right now with the um you know with with Iowa trying to 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 kind of catch up to what other programs are doing finally I I should mention that they are lining up to find ways to deal with pass happy spread offenses finally and um the linebacker position is most affected by that. that they're only bringing one linebacker in in the 2020 class, Jay Higgins, who I did a prospect podcast with a few weeks ago. But, you know, that that look now at linebacker, Andrew, where, you know, we're looking at a 4-2-5 more now than we ever have that new cash position. That makes linebacker different. It, it makes – not only maybe when you're using just two linebackers, but that that those guys look different. They don't look like your traditional Fred Barr, Abdul Hodge, Pat Anger type middle linebackers. It's more like a Christian Welch middle linebacker, like we saw la- last year. And you know, even when Christian got hurt, then you're looking at a Dylan Doyle, Jack Campbell type linebacker, more angular in the middle. Um, a little bit less, you know, run heavy look from that middle linebacker spot, more of a guy that can run in space. So that linebacker position to me at Iowa is really intriguing, the transition it's going through right now. 
Yeah, it, it, uh, you lay that out so well in the piece, and I think we, I remember coming into last football season, we expected to see that a little more than we ultimately did, and so I think it is going to be uh, an interesting transition, maybe even over a season or two, where you have to get the recruiting a little differently, and obviously the scheming, right. and then it, it, I think it was injuries were, were a part of it last season, where uh, you know you just get hamstrung into what you can and can't do with the certain number of guys and the schemes you're playing against and all those things, so uh, I, I enjoyed that piece, and as you said, Linebacker is going to be an intriguing uh, thing for a few years to come, I think. And and Iowa, a school that has obviously done well at um, finding and developing high-quality linebackers and then sending them to the next level. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Hawkeyes kind of uh, you know, handle this. Yeah, without question. We have that cash position now, which is that hybrid – uh, linebacker safety spot that Imani Hooker ushered in very well. Yes, <laughs> obviously. Yes, made that you know allowed them to be able to do that. And I think, as you said last year at the beginning of the year, they were having difficulty finding somebody to fill that role because Dane Belton, the true freshman from the Tampa area, right. was dinged up early and, and kind of got behind. And then I believe it was the Northwestern game where they kind of unleashed him. He started, and then from that point on he started I think every game and he's built in that mold of a Monty Hooker kind of a big safety smaller linebacker run in space can support the run can run with receivers um, and now what's interesting with Dane is with Gino going to the NFL Dane probably fits best at that strong safety spot and I'll do I'll, I'll do our uh, I'll write up our, our, our secondary defensive back position preview probably later this week but he may fit better there but then you you leave a hole at that cash spot so some interesting uh mixing and matching and i i have as much faith in phil parker and seth wallace the linebacker coach to figure that puzzle out than uh than i do with most people two of the more underrated assistant coaches not only in the big 10 but in the country and they're very very good at finding you know, finding guys to put in the right spots to succeed. And it's not, you know, it's not a fluke. Every year, Iowa's defense is good. Well, Rob, we did it. We found, uh, we, we, we again found a way to talk Hawkeye sports <laughs> for 40 or 45 minutes here on, a, on another Monday on the HN pod. Uh, this has been fun as always. I know you've got, what, a mailbag pod coming up. I'm sure you got a bunch of other stuff, as you just said, the, this the you know, defensive back uh, position preview coming up on the site at some point. Uh, anything else you really want to preview coming up on Hawkeye Nation this week? Yeah, I pimped at the beginning of the pod the uh, the the story on the the former Hawkeye who got married virtually. That will run this evening, uh, April thirteenth, Monday, April thirteenth. I'll pop that out tonight. Got a Drew Tate Hawkeye history podcast. I'll That's probably cool. post that tomorrow at some point. Tomorrow being Tuesday, April fourteenth. We'll come back with the mailbag on Wednesday and probably a prospect podcast later in the week. So we've been doing pretty well, Andrew. We're popping about four pods a week uh, for a downtime. That's not too bad. And then plus we have plenty of written content. So hopefully, if you folks are listening and you know this is your pre- preferred method of consuming Hawkeye sports, you know doing it audio wise which i can completely get uh if you have extra time which many of us do get uh, you know please get on the site and read some of the content as well and, and consume what we have we 
hope that uh, it serves as a bit of an escape during a tough time. Absolutely. If you have if you have any ideas or suggestions or things you'd like to hear us talk about on this podcast, or obviously yeah. Rob puts out a, a call for for mailbag questions each week, uh, let us know. You're at Rob Howe HN on Twitter, I'm at Andrew C Downs or just at Hawkeye Nation. Uh, we we certainly welcome any ideas or anything as we uh, we keep this this train on the tracks. Rob, we're going to keep going through this whole thing, and and we're going to get through this together as we say each and every week. Uh, but Rob, uh, hey hope, man, yeah, I got to admit when we f- first started doing this, I was like, man, how are we going to come up with a podcast <laughs> yeah, every yeah. week? So I think this not only speaks to there still being news to talk about, but your and my ability to just kind of blabber. <laughs> that's, that's one thing I've always <laughs> been good at. <laughs> Rob, thank you, man. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Andrew. Good to talk to you. Same to you. All right. Thank you for listening. Go Hawks. <laughs>